a theme we have been working with uh, this month and really just over the next few weeks here. We're going to continue with it, uh, looking at the miracles of Jesus. And like I said last time, we, we won't cover all of the miracles. There's way too many of them. And uh, even John wrote and said, if, if every work that Jesus did were to be written down, there is not enough paper, there is not enough room to store all of them. So we're highlighting some of the big ones and some of the big concepts that we are finding within these miracles that still apply to us today. Amen. And so uh, that's what we're going to continue with. Uh, I, I forgot to mention at the offering, and I just want to make sure I don't forget, is I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness in our Kingdom Builders projects, and just uh, th that's going great. We got the nursery all painted and everything. We're looking at uh, getting some other finishing touches in there. We're getting ready to move the toys and the furniture in there and clean out some other stuff and uh, doing some work. I don't know if you noticed, but our sign out front has been nice and cleaned up. Uh, it was growing a lot of uh, algae and, and green stuff, whatever you want to call it, and, um, and it's been cleaned and all of that, and we're just doing some things around here to get this place in shape. Uh, shape. Amen. And so uh, we're grateful for that today. Uh, but if you got your Bibles with you, if you would look at Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8 verses 22 through 26. Mark chapter 8 verses 22 through 26. And if you got it, just stand to your feet so that way I know you're with me. Some of y'all are really fast with this. And it makes me know that uh, if you've ever done the sword drills back in the day, anybody remember the sword drills you used to do? Yeah, so I can, I can tell some of you were really good at those. Uh, if you don't know what that is, you take your Bible, you hold it above your head, and they give you a scripture, and the first one, too, it wins. Um, Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 26. It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bible uh, this morning as well. And this is what it says. It says, and they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him, Jesus, a blind man, and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Amen. And he sent him to his home saying, do not even enter the village. Lord, we pray that you would just add your blessing to your word today. God, that you would speak to our hearts and our minds. Let us receive from you, grow in our faith, and leave differently than what we came in. Lord, we love you and you th we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. amen. You may be seated. So with this miracle, I want to highlight some of the different things that are happening in this, in this uh, scripture today. And uh, as we work through it, I want us to really apply a lot of these principles to our own lives. Uh, because many of us will never know what uh, real blindness is, physical blindness. But there are times in our life where we struggle to see things that we need to see. We struggle to see the right answers. We struggle to see uh, what God is doing in our life. We, we struggle to see the wise choice, the smart choice. We, we struggle to, to have vision and, and for life and, and for knowing the right direction. And I believe that what God does physically for this man, he will do spiritually for us today. 
And so with that, uh, I find this, this scripture very interesting. It's not the only time in scripture we see where Jesus heals a blind man, and, and uh, we'll get to another one of those a little later on. But uh, the, the starts out, the people in this city, they bring a blind man to Jesus, they beg him to heal him, and the first thing Jesus does is he grabs this man by the hand and leads them away from the village. And you wonder why he does that. There's always significance to everything that Jesus does. Jesus doesn't do things just to do things. Jesus has a reason for everything that he does. And so when we read this and, and you begin to study this, uh, you, you understand that Bethsaida is a city that is known for its unbelief. If you don't believe me, if you look in Luke chapter 10, Jesus uh, rebukes them. It says in, G in Luke 10 verses 13 through 14, he says this, Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. He's saying Miracles, signs, and wonders have been done with you, Bethsaida, and you still do not believe. He's saying it's going to be hard for you because you do not believe in the day of judgment. Bethsaida is known for their unbelief. It is an environment where uh, Jesus struggles to do miracles because of unbelief. It actually also, uh, if you don't believe that your environment matters when it comes to this, if you look at Matthew 13, when Jesus is in his hometown, the Bible says that he only did a few miracles because they did not believe. Being in an environment of belief really matters. So my question for you today is what environment do you find yourself in? Who are you surrounded with in your life that is full of unbelief? Are there people in your life that are dragging your faith down? Are there, are there situations in your life that are causing you to be more in unbelief than in belief? Do you need a change of scenery today? Because if you are in an environment of unbelief, you are in an environment where a miracle cannot happen. It is by faith that these works get done. And so this man needed to be led out of this village because he was surrounded by so much unbelief that while he was there, it was, would have been impossible for him to receive his sight. So Jesus took this man and led him away from this environment. What environment do you need to be led out of today? Is it your own mind? Is it your own... Uh, friends? Is it your group of influence? Is it the cubicles around you at work? I'm not saying you need to change jobs and, and, and leave family in the dust, but sometimes you need to change the conversations you're having with those people. Sometimes you need to take ownership of the atmosphere and be a thermostat rather than a thermometer, and you be the one that determines the environment. So you can't always leave the city, you can't always leave the village, but you can be the one that fosters the change to create an environment of belief, to create an environment of faith. You say, well, how can I do that? The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. I find that people struggle with their faith the most, spend the time in the word the least. When, when people come to me with problems and, and want solutions all the time, one of the, one of the first things I, I always wonder and oftentimes even ask is, well, depending on the situation, I'll say, well, how much time have you spent in the Word today, this week, this month? How much time have you spent in prayer trying to hear from God to get the right answers? 
But you, but reality of it is, it's a lot of times it's, oh, I, I just don't really have time for all that. I'm so busy. I've got all these things going on in my life. I just can't do it. And I, it, it's kind of like, do you, do you wonder, I wonder sometimes if maybe the reason you have the problems is because you aren't spending enough time with the one who has the answers. And if you would prioritize that, some of those other things in your life would be taken care of and your environment of unbelief would be transformed into an environment of belief because your faith would be built and would be strong. So today, make sure you are in an environment full of faith and full of belief. The next thing Jesus does, and from one perspective, is kind of gross. Jesus spits in this man's eyes. That, that's kind of disgusting. And that would not have been COVID-friendly in 2020, especially. He, he just spits in this man. Can you, like, this man didn't even have a chance to, to, to see this happening because he's blind and all of a sudden he gets hit in the eyes with something wet. The people surrounding, like, when... I've told you before, when I read the Bible, I like to really get into it and really like imagine the thoughts and the emotions and the feelings. Like the people around watching, if there was still anybody that followed out of the village, it just they probably would have been like, what is he doing? That is so gross. But as I, I was studying this, God brought back to my memories. Anybody ever had a mother who a licked thumb was the greatest cleaning solution in the world? Like that stuff could get a stain out of anything. I don't, I don't know what it is, but there is something about a little spit and a lot of elbow grease that could really clean something up really good. If you were a kid out playing in the mud and you got some dirt on your face and it was time to eat dinner, say, hold on a second, you got a little something on your face, they'd lick the thumb and they'd really get that off of you. Sometimes it felt like sandpaper just taking layers of skin off, but it got the job done. God revealed to me that he wasn't just spitting in the man's eyes, he was washing the man's eyes. You see, this man had been in an, in an environment of unbelief for so long that the toxic environment that he was existing in had polluted his ability to see. And it was only through the washing of his eyes that he was going to be able to have his, his sight restored. You see, his eyes, his ability to see was corrupted by a lack of faith. Jesus spits in his eyes. It actually reminds me of another uh, instance of, similar to this. Uh, in John chapter 9, uh, Jesus does something similar except he spits on the ground and makes some mud. And the Bible says he anoints the blind man's eyes with it. it it's interesting when you start looking at these scriptures and seeing the way Jesus does these things, you know, in this instance, he was washing the man's eyes. And we're talking about blind eyes open. So I'm jumping over to this other story in John chapter 9 for just a minute here. This other instance, he takes mud and puts that in the man's eyes. It, it's interesting because this, this story here is about a man whose sight was restored. In John chapter 9, we see a man whose sight was never with him from birth even. And when you read John chapter 9, what I see is Jesus making him complete in his sight. What do you mean by that? This is what I mean. If you look back in the beginning of Genesis, the Bible says that God created man out of the dust of the earth. And Jesus in this moment, this man in John chapter 9, 
was from birth blind. It tells me that there was a lack of completion in him. It wasn't that God made a mistake. The Bible says that he was born this way actually for God's glory to be shown through him. But in this moment, Jesus was evaluating the situation. And he said, this man can't see because there's a lack of completion in his life. There's something that needs to be finished in him. Something that needs to be done in him and completed. And so he spits in the mud, the very thing, or in the ground, in the dust, and creates mud. He, he takes the very thing that this man is made out of and puts it in his eyes to say, I'm going to finish the work that wasn't done at your birth. Whereas in this other scripture that we read at the beginning here in Mark, he was restoring this man's sight. And to restore it, his eyes needed washed. I tell you this to tell you this. I tell you that to tell you this. We serve a God that knows exactly what we need and when we need it. And he goes to great lengths to do it. And what we think as gross and we think of it as messy, it is God working in our lives to bring completion, to bring healing, to bring washing. And today, what, what in your eyes sight, what in your vision of, of your life, what in, for you needs to be completed? What for you needs to be washed up? We look at it as gross what Jesus did. But I'm thankful Jesus is not afraid to get a little bit messy sometimes to take care of us. I, I, I'm, I'm glad that he's willing to go to great lengths to take care of us. So today, what is in your eyes that needs washed out? Or what is missing from your life that Jesus is the only one who can finish? So he washes this man's eyes. And I want to tell you today that when Jesus does something in the physical, it, it always mirrors something in the spiritual. As he's washing this man's physical eyes, he's also washing his spiritual eyes. You see, this man was in, a, in an environment of unbelief for so long that the only way he'd ever see again was to wash the unbelief out. And see, Jesus didn't really care so much about if he can see or not in the physical. He cared more about, is this man going to ever be able to see in the spiritual? Because at the end of the day, eyeballs are just that. They're eyeballs. But we have a, a home in heaven that matters more. There's a reason why the scripture tells us if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out, because it is better to enter the kingdom of God blind than it is to live in sin and suffer the consequence of sin. You see, Jesus was concerned about a deeper issue here. And what he was doing to this man physically, just like and he also did in John 9, he did in Mark, where, where he was completing this man spiritually in his vision, in his sight. He was opening up his eyes so he could see Jesus, and he could see the work of God in his life. You see, I imagine, like I said, I like to get into the Scripture, that when he heals the blind, the first thing the blind man sees is Jesus. How many can remember the day your eyes were open and the first thing you really truly saw in the spiritual realm was Christ? You see, today Christ is working in his life in the Scriptures. He's working in our life in the Scriptures to wash things out so that we can see clearly. What needs washed out of your eyes today? 
what toxins, what sins, what mentalities need to be washed out so that you can see clearly the path God has laid before you. What needs to be washed out? What needs to be made completed? What are you lacking in your relationship with him? What, what is the completion? You see, if he's going to complete the man's eyes with mud, he's mirroring the completion of the work of God in his life, in the spiritual. What does God need to finish in you today? I love the question Jesus asks. I, I said last week that a lot of times... In this life of faith, we find more questions than we do answers. And even in scriptures, you find that Jesus even answers questions with other questions. Jesus asks this man, after he spits in his eyes, he says, do you see anything? The man looks up and he says, I see trees or people that look like trees walking. I, I, I love how Jesus asks these questions. Because like I said, the Bible says the man looked up. If it wasn't for the question, the man would have continued to look down. Jesus asked him a question to get him to respond. Jesus asked him this question because if he would have just spit in his eyes and left the man there, the man would have probably just continued to look down and, and, and for so long he hasn't been able to see anything, so all he can do is look down. All he's used to seeing is darkness so why even bother to lift his head up? I feel like that resembles some of us today. We've been looking at darkness for so long. We've been looking at despair for so long. We've been looking at a world of darkness for so long that it's easy for us to hang our heads and it's hard to lift them up. But Jesus is asking the question today, do you see anything? I'm washing your eyes. I'm completing your eyes. Do you see anything? And he's wanting us to look up and begin to look around at what he's doing. He asks this question. Questions bring awareness. Questions bring evaluation for us to look around. And so he asks this question. The man looks around and he, and he sees movement. He sees motion taking place. And, 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 and he begins to probably feel encouraged. If I was this man and I had lost my sight, and all of a sudden, for the first time in who knows how many years, I look up and I start to see things moving, my soul is going to be raised and lifted up and within me. I'm going to begin to feel encouraged. I'm going to begin to feel like something's happening in my life and, and something good is getting ready to happen. And I'm going to feel my faith rising within me. Today, Jesus is asking the question, do you see anything? This question reminds me of another story in Scripture. 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 15 and seven, through 17 says this, When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. I'm going to pause there for a second. This servant was probably like, you are nuts. All I see are them. I don't see any us. Then Elisha prayed and said, O oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. 
You see, blindness isn't always about being sightless. Sometimes blindness, blindness is caused by being focused on the wrong thing. We can become blinded by situations. We can become blinded by pain. We can become blinded by hurt. We can become blinded by overwhelmed uh, emotions, overwhelming emotions, to where we cannot see what really is there. Until God works in our life. And I pray today that if you are in a situation where you feel like you just stepped outside and you see an army all around you that's come to get you, that God opens your eyes and you can truly see that they that are with us are more than they that are with them. He opened his eyes. He saw that, that there was chariots of fire and, and surrounding them. Today, let our eyes be open. With this man now seeing people that look like trees walking around. The reason they look like trees is because his vision is a little blurry. You know what's interesting about this miracle is that this is the only recorded miracle in Scripture that Jesus had to go back and touch him a second time. Like every other time was instant. The Scripture says that at first he said, do you see anything? After he spit in his eyes, he said, well, yeah, I, I see some people and they look like trees walking. And then G, the Bible says that Jesus touches him again and his sight was restored all the way and it was clear all of a sudden. Why would Jesus not just heal him the first time? Why would Jesus not just do the whole thing at once? I think there's two reasons for it. Number one, there is something about blurry vision that causes us to lean in. Think about it. If you're trying to see something off in the distance, or maybe you just are just waking up in the morning, I, I, I've, learned, I've learned this now with having a baby that wants to wake up at three or four in the morning to be fed and changed, and uh, we take turns doing that, but when it's my turn to do that, it's like in the, you're like really squinting and leaning, trying not to trip over things because you haven't turned the light on yet to get her, and it, like the, the leaning in to see better. You see, this man had been in unbelief for so long, and you know what's funny about this is the man didn't even ask for the miracle. The people that brought him to Jesus were the ones asking for it. You see, this man was so content and so engrossed in this society and this, this culture of unbelief that he didn't even care about the miracle. Even if, even if he did care, he probably was so so in despair, didn't really believe it could even happen anymore. And so in, in order to get this man's attention, Jesus heals him halfway. Because at first he didn't even know he needed faith. At first he didn't really understand what was happening. But Jesus used this first half of the healing to get, grab his attention. You see, sometimes Christ will give us a, a, a little bit of the picture. He'll give us a blurry image because it is through that blurry image that we will begin to lean in to him. You see, as he began to look around, he, he, he probably was like, well, I see, I, I see some people. They look like trees. He began to lean in to try to figure out what was happening. And, and, and as his faith was rising, he was leaning into Christ. 
He was engaging with Jesus. You see, that's the other reason Christ will ask a question is to get you to engage with him. Sometimes you will find yourself with questions because that's the only way Jesus can get you your attention. Sometimes he will only do things halfway for you because, because that's the only way he can get you to cooperate with him, to get you to lean in, to give you a taste of what he wants to do in your life, to get you to lean into it all the way. See, that's something we've really just kind of forgotten how to do in the Christian culture is lean into God. Like, it's just not something people do much anymore. And, and I know everybody in here is perfect and doesn't ever do anything wrong, um, and we're all sinless, right? Right? It's okay to laugh. It really is. But I, I find that in culture, and even if you normally are somebody who can lean into Christ, there are days when it's hard. There are days when it is challenging to lean into him. But there is a lost art of pursuing God. There is a lost art of a hunger for God that has been missing from the capital C church for way too long. You see, what if we started leaning into God, not just in circumstances that are perilous, where we're struggling, where we're having a hard time, what if we just leaned into God every day and he didn't have to touch us twice? What if we were so leaned into him that he didn't even really have to always touch us the first time? That there are things that would just already be clear to us because of the time we've spent with him. That there's, there's something to be said about leaning into him. People don't fast anymore. People don't pray like they used to. People don't read like they used to. I know that makes me sound like old-timey preacher, but sometimes we need some of that. There are fundamentals of our faith that you will not make it without. You will not make it without. There are the basics of just leaning in, trying to see the picture. But so many of us have gotten so comfortable in our blindness, and some of us have even gotten comfortable just having some blurry vision. Like, well, it's better than what it was, so I guess I'll just settle for that. What if that man would have looked at Jesus after he said, do you see anything? And said, oh yeah, I can, I can see some stuff. I, I'm good. He would have walked around with blurry vision. But some people said, well, that's better than what it used to be. But it's not the fullness of what God had for him. Don't settle for the blurry when God has the clear for you. The second reason I believe that it may have taken two tries is God wanted to send us a message that he is a God of process, not always immediacy. Sometimes we want God to do everything instantly. We want it right now, hot and ready, like a little Caesar's pizza. We're ready. We want it. And God's saying, hold on a second here. I got to take you through a process. First, I got to get you out of your environment. Second, I got to get you uh, washed up. Third, I, I really need your attention on this one because I don't really have it. And then comes the clear sight. See, I think sometimes we just get such a hurry to see God do something. 
We get in so, so much of a rush that we want to get to the thing and we don't fully embrace the process. You see, I really truly believe that the process takes longer when we don't embrace it. If we would allow God to work and we would submit to his process, submit to his working in our life, I think we would maybe arrive at our destination a little bit quicker. But instead, we want to throw fits. We want to settle on things. We want to stay back on things. We, we want to fight with it. We want to get upset about it. And we, don't, we, we give up on it. And we don't stick with the process that God has us walking through. If you read Scripture ever, the stories of anybody, if you, even if you look at David, for example, started out as a shepherd boy, but what he learned in leading sheep, he was able to later lead a nation. If you read the whole story of David, I don't have time to go through the whole thing. He, 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 he went through a process in his life that led him to be king. Even Jesus went through a process to become the, the Messiah on this earth. He had to be born. He had to grow up. He had to be baptized. And then after he was baptized, he went right into the wilderness to be tempted. And then it was when he came out of all of that process of his life that he was able to become the rabbi and, and, and Jesus the Messiah and the Savior later on. There's a process that God works through. The miracle of, of blind eyes open is, is a unique one. It's, it's a powerful one that I think we really truly all need for us. Last week we talked about God's provision. This week we're talking about being able to see clearly. Because there are so many people in the capital C church, and maybe even right here in Bucyrus, that have some blinded eyes to what God is doing in their life that struggle to really truly see what God would have you to do, that truly struggle to, to be obedient because you're so busy looking down all the time that you have yet to look up and listen to what God is speaking to you. With every head bowed and every eye closed.